This is a special edition of The Politics Show, an interview with Charles Clark. For more information about The Politics Show or to listen again, go to www.thepoliticsshow.com. Hello, welcome to The Politics Show. My name is Michael Turner and joining me in the studio today is Dan Shilkoff, Ben Nutt and Bartosz Ruskiewicz and our special guest, Charles Clark. Hello. How are you doing? Um, well, first of all, uh, I'd like to ask you, what do you think of the palace? Fantastic. I'm glad you've got such a well-organised office and you can find <laughs> everything immediately. I found in my experience all creative radio journalism comes from a slightly anarchic look. Yeah. And that's what you've achieved and I congratulate you on it. And does it beat this week, do you reckon, the studio this week? Uh, it does, actually, in many ways. I mean, you're obviously a lot more handsome than Andrew Neil. Oh. <laughs> uh, these, these guys are a lot more interesting than Michael Portillo. So <laughs> I, I think you're in good shape. That's and uh, joking aside, I think radio is often a better medium for honest uh, politics than television. Good. Actually, you can talk openly on radio, and I always enjoy that more. Well, let's see what we can do today. So um, let's cut straight to the point. Do you still consider yourself involved in high-profile politics? Not really. Uh, after I was beaten in the election in May 2010, I've uh, done a range of other things. I'm visiting professor at a couple of universities. I do a lot of work on in international education. I've written a pamphlet on migration. Um, and I think it's very unlikely I'll get back involved directly in national politics. I never completely exclude it because we never know how events are going to be. But I wouldn't describe myself as involved in high-level politics in the way that I was. You are visiting professor Lancaster University still? Yes. Yeah, and East Anglia? Yes. In some fashion, politics for you is still obviously important then. Uh, do you still have strong links with the Labour Party? I do have strong links with the Labour Party. Uh, I still think politics is tremendously important. At UEA, the University of East Anglia, my mission is to uh, get much more engagement between the people involved in studying politics and real-life politics. In Lancaster, I'm visiting Professor of Politics and Faith, yeah. and, which is a strange uh, combination. Again, the same kind of thing. We've had a very good set of debates in London which have been happening. Yeah. And uh, then I'm also going to be visiting Professor at UCL on migration because I think you need far more dialogue between the academic world and the political world, and I try and do that. And my relationship with the Labour Party maintains. But as I say, I'm not, I'm not actively involved with the Labour Party in that way, but I still have very good relationships. Okay. Um, as I take it you were a proponent of the expansion of higher education Very much so. and the Labour Party. Where do you feel it went wrong? I don't feel it has gone wrong. Uh, I think the, uh, it was right to expand higher education. I think many, many people aspire to higher education. Uh, they do well through it. Do you think it's sensible to try and set a target for the number of people to get to, into higher education? 50% was a figure we said was an aspiration. Yeah. I wouldn't say it was specifically a target, but it was an aspiration. It's quite low, that 50% figure, compared to a large number of other countries. And the view that uh, there's some people who just never get a chance because mm. there's an arbitrary ceiling gone in there, I think is wrong. I think that the question is, will young people benefit from a university education? And uh, if they will, then we should try and provide it for them. For you, is this about skills or social mobility? Both. Uh, this university has a, uh, a strong track record in attracting people from what, what are called non-traditional academic backgrounds to yeah. come to university. I think that's very, very important. Uh, I congratulate this university on that. Uh, and I think it's uh, important to recognise that everybody, and I mean everybody, has within them skills and talents which education can bring out. And the line that says, actually, sorry, 
you're no longer coming to university because your face doesn't fit, is not on. So with that, I have to ask then, how do you think that, you, that higher education has changed then in recent years? Uh, have we gone from more of a reading and research-based uh, environment to vocationalism? I think you've got a much wider range of different types of university degree, uh, and I think that's the important way to look at it. The traditional model of what you call reading and research uh, of going to a university for three years, 35 weeks a year or whatever, has been massively changed by a range of other different degrees, two-year degrees, for example. In yeah. different does, does everything then need, need to be based at university? Can we, not, can we not share this with further education in some respect? Completely. I agree with you. The, the, the form of university education is changing dramatically. The biggest change at the moment actually is online, where you see some, uh, some universities doing enormous online offerings where people are spending most of their time learning um, at their computer rather yeah. than on a university campus. Now, it's very much horses for courses. It's deciding what's the best place for you at your time of life and what you're trying to achieve out of your university degree. But the biggest change is a much wider range of types of university and course than there has been. Yeah. So I suppose the university bill has swollen, um, well, did swell under kind of Labour's, Labour's government. Um, is the tuition fee rise a sensible way to cover the cost of university? Well, I brought in uh, tuition fees in 2004. Uh, and I favoured that uh, because I thought that both the student and the, the state were beneficiaries of university education. The individual student benefited in higher incomes normally and all the rest of it, mm. and the state benefited. And I think we bring, brought in a fair system of paying back through the tax system after you'd graduated. Yep. This government's decided to eliminate a core element of that, which is the state's contribution to it, and said only the student pays in most cases. And I think that's a very bad way to go about it. I don't think they should have done it like that. But um, I, don't do, I, don't, I don't retreat at all from the changes we made. I think they were the right thing to do. There, they were, of course, very controversial at the time with students. Yeah, um, just adding from that, if you're saying that um, the rise, the way that the uh, coalition have done it, um, is wrong, would you say if there was a need for a rise in how much people paid, do you think it should have been standardised across all universities, or should the... Uh, allowing the universities to pick how much they charge? I think allowing right. universities to choose is right. Why do I think that? Because different universities provide different kind of degrees, in different, both in different subjects but in different forms of delivery. For example, some with work placements, some not with work placements and so on. Some with more online, some with less online. And there's a wide variety of different types of delivery of university degree. And I don't think it's unreasonable to charge different uh, levels at the end of the day. There are some people who say, you've got to have a universal system, it's got to be the same everywhere. But I think that comes from the false premise that all university degrees are the same in all universities. And simply that's not true. If you look at people doing university degrees in the southwest here, mm -hmm. you have different universities doing different things in different ways. Um, if we're feeling that we need to get more people into university, is that not um, a litmus test of perhaps uh, pre-university education's failure to prepare people for the workplace? Uh, to an extent, I think that's true. I think the biggest divide within education is between work and education, where mm. people in education, so in schools and so on, often think, well, work doesn't matter very much, and people in work say, what are these education systems delivering? It's a kind of dialogue of the deaf yep. that goes on. And I think you've got to try and bring them together. So how should the government then, is it by creating you know, more uh, connections with 
corporations? Is it kind of offering kind of... It's a range of different things. We, for example, have specialist schools in which companies would be on the boards of schools and try and enable them to get, work, to get young people to get work experience when they're at school, for example. That's one way of doing it. Yeah. Another is to have the kind of employability programmes, which I think you do some of here at Plymouth, uh, which ensure that students are able to do work placements and so on in, yeah. in, in what they're doing. But you've got to get a much greater interchange. Even now, it's far, far less good than it needs to be. Education isn't in, in a vacuum. Education is in a world where work counts. Should GCSEs be scrapped? Uh, I don't think so. I think what uh, is reported, I say what's reported, that the government wants to do in bringing back O-levels yeah. is completely mad. Uh, the government appears to be obsessed with creating division in education. And actually, division is not the way to go. And the old days, I mean, it's when I was young and you weren't born, of having O-levels on the one hand and the, what's called the CSE on the other yes. was a very, very divisive thing. And I think GCSE was created uh, in a way that is more flexible. I don't agree with the criticism that Michael Gove is making that they don't work. You can always argue the toss on rigour. Uh, are the exams rigorous enough? Are, does coursework get too much waiting? Etc. 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 I don't mind that argument. You can have it. You can have a discussion about it. But to say some do O levels and others do CSEs, I think is a serious mistake. Come back to universities. You, as a member of parliament, were the Home Secretary at, uh, for a couple of years. Now there's a balance there, isn't there, between uh, immigration uh, and also your let's say, the capacity that you'll come, you've come to University of Plymouth for at the moment, which is talking about higher education. Now, do you agree that we need um, foreigners to come into Britain to study at higher education institutions in the UK? Very much so. It's a constant tension. Uh, when I was around, the key issue was abuses, the so-called um, uh, courses which weren't really real, and yep. there was some of that. But I think universities, all universities, certainly Plymouth, certainly the other universities I work with, need students to come in internationally. And I think the way the immigration proposals are being made by Damien Green is completely wrong. My answer is to take the student figures out of the immigration figures altogether. And if the government wants to set a target, well, it can. I think it's very foolish, actually. But if it wants to set a target, it can, but not involving students. The overwhelming majority of students who come here to study come here to do just that, to study. And um, they uh, benefit from that. The country for which they go back at the end benefits from that. Our society benefits from that. Many courses are run in universities in this country only because the students coming from overseas provide the income basis for doing it. So I think what the government's doing is completely wrong. Yeah. Okay, Paul. Uh, I just have a question um, on um, maybe how would you compare uh, the British education system, especially higher education, since you're uh, talking about that today, with the European education system. Are they going uh, parallel, to, or would you uh, argue that the British system is going in a different direction? I think it, it sounds nationalist to say it, but I think other European systems are looking more at our model. Uh, what are the characteristics of our model? Firstly, independence of universities. It's the state can't appoint vice-chancellors, uh, teachers, and so on. There are some countries in the European Union where still the state can directly appoint those people. And actually, academic uh, success comes from independence and operating in that way. A second big change is to the three-year degree and the structure of the degree, which has been traditional here. But again, in many European countries, that wasn't the case for a long time. You had students studying for seven or eight, nine years in that situation. And I think you need a much more focused area, and I think we're working more in that way. Um, 
my basic view is the British higher education system is a very much an outward looking one. Of course, we have an enormous number of overseas students in this country, and I think that's a good thing for us. Um, and that's not the case of all other um, uh, university systems in Europe. But I would say, I would say we're moving in different directions. I think uh, moving in similar directions, but many European countries are saying they, they need that independence of universities, they need a more structured university degree, uh, and they need to work it in a more effective way. Germany has changed, for example, in that direction quite a lot. Um, I'm not up to speed with what's happening in every country, but uh, I th I, that's what I'd say. So you're saying there's a, a specific model that, it's, that could be exported to other European countries? The British model is, uh, is in a way... I'd never be quite so arrogant as to say the British yeah, should be exported not, to other countries. No, no, it's a fair question. Uh, but I think we have lots of strengths, and I think most people looking at UK university system would say our standard and quality is very, very high, certainly amongst the highest in Europe, possibly the highest in Europe, and therefore other, other systems have something to learn from our way of doing it. Okay, final couple of questions. Um, can Ed Miliband win the 2015 election? Definitely. I mean, as time's going by, um, you look at what's happening to the Conservatives and the Lib Dems, I think uh, there's a lot of lack of confidence in what they're doing, and I think Labour could easily be in a position to win. Ed, uh, I mean, I've said before and I'll say again, Ed has to work more to get to a, a position where Labour has a real alternative. Is he on the right track, though, at the moment, from, from your own personal perspective? I would say so. Possibly not moving fast enough on this question of getting the alternative into place. Okay. Uh, but, so uh, he needs but, to come up with a manifesto. He needs to... Uh, yeah, not necessarily every detail, but a sense of direction. So if you're talking about universities, what would Labour's policy on universities be? If you're talking about housing benefit, the current issue that's controversial, mm -hmm. what would Labour's policy be? You've got to have a clarity about the alternative we offer, because the difference between all the elections in between general elections, things like uh, by-elections, local government elections, opinion polls, and the general election itself, is the, f the first group are a referendum on the party in power. Mm. The second is a choice between two alternatives. And at that point, we need people, uh, Labour, I should say, needs people to really see what our alternative is. And that's where Ed has to do the work. OK. I suppose the most important question of the evening, who's going to win the Euro Championships? I think uh, Italy might do better than people think. I thought, uh, I thought. I mean, I originally thought it was going to be Germany or Spain. Uh, I don't think Ronaldo will succeed in getting Portugal to beat Spain. But I thought people criticised England last night on, on, uh, in, in the recent game. <laughs> but I thought part of it was that Italy played very well. Yeah. Uh, and you just can't rule that they were a surprise to me, Italy. When you think that England's rated sixth in the FIFA ratings in the world and Italy's rated 12th, we should have beaten them on that basis. Yeah. But to, to be honest, that's quite controversial because all of us uh, sort of voted for Germany or Spain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Italy is quite shocking, so I think all of yeah. us... You are right, they were very impressive the other mm. night. But I think we're out of time there anyway. Okay. But with that, we'll say thank you to our usual panel, to Dan, to Ben and to Bart, and to our special guest, Charles Clark. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, thank you, very, much. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me, I've enjoyed it. No thank problem. You. My name is Michael Turner. Thanks for listening. Thank you.